0: You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody good? Hope you are. Uh, we're excited. Um, I know we've already talked about this and celebrated this, but I just have to say one more time how cool it is that two people got saved at the interest meeting in Millen. I just thought that was just so cool. And... Uh, to see that happen and and it really wasn't even a worship service. It was just an interest meeting and uh, of course Jeremy was supposed to talk for like 10 minutes. He ended up preaching for like 30 so um, it, it definitely kind of turned into a worship service but it was good. It was really awesome and so we're excited about what God's doing there and what God's doing in by day in Lyons and Lions and, and what God's doing here. It's just awesome to see um, week in and week out how God's moving and we're just very thankful very blessed to be able to be a part of that. And so, um, and I hope you'll join that. I hope you'll be a part of that as well as God desires to use each one of us for that. Um, today, if you will, we, if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue going through first Thessalonians, um, as we continue this series called behind the enemy lines. And this series is all about how, if you were to go behind the enemy lines, um, you would be able to find out what your enemy is doing to come against you, how he's attacking you, how he's planning to attack you, and even some of the lies and things maybe that you did believe that weren't true. And so in this series, what we're looking at are some lies that the enemy wants to use against us as the church. We talked about in 1 Thessalonians um, last week how Paul really loved the the church in Thessalonica. He really loved it. It He had a sincere, deep love for them. And he holds up the church in Thessalonica as an example for other churches. And so what we're doing is we're taking this and looking at it from a standpoint of this is what the church is supposed to be comparing it to the church today and saying maybe this is an area that we've believed a lie whether it's about the church or about ourselves but we're trying to expose these things so that we can walk in the truth and be the church that Jesus wants us to be at the end of the day that's what we want is to be the church that Jesus wants us to be and so first Thessalonians we're going to read a couple of verses that we looked at last week and then we'll go on um, down so we'll read verses 2 through 10 as we get going today the lie that we're looking looking at today um, is this lie that multiplication is an option. That multiplication is an option. Okay. So here we go. Chapter one, verse two, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia the church, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, let's pray. God, Thank you so much for your word. God, today we thank you that it is living and it is active. Let it be living and active in our hearts, God. God, we need more of you. We, we don't need more, more of me, more of Brandon. We need more of you, God. Jesus, just come and speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our hearts. As we open our hearts to receive what you have for us today, God. Let us be encouraged and challenged to follow you closer, to keep our eyes fixed on you and to do the things that you've placed before us to do. We love you, Father. We thank you for loving us. Thank you that you are good indeed and that, God, you've made a way for us to come to you through Jesus and empower the word, anoint it with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I wanted to ask a quick question since we're in church um, and since you shouldn't lie in church, right? um, How many of you would be willing to admit that somewhere along the way in your life, you might have told a little lie to make yourself look better. Anybody that'd be, man, hand shot up. You're not even ashamed. You're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have done that myself where we maybe have stretched the truth a little bit, maybe told something to make ourselves sound better, maybe to make ourselves feel better about a situation. And I ask you that question because I feel like this, I feel like the church has done that in some ways. Many times we, um, like to tell ourselves things that, uh, maybe we, we want it, things to be true about the church, but many times they're not. Um, sometimes we try to tell ourselves things that just seem to make us feel better for not doing what we know we should be doing. Um, for instance, you hear churches say things like this many times, we're just a church that wants to go deeper. What that means is we're not really worried about reaching people. We just want everybody in the walls of our church to grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus. You'll hear churches say, we're just about discipleship. What that means is we're not really about evangelizing and about reaching people who are lost. It means we just are going to focus on the people within our church. Um, you hear people say those kinds of things, um, that, that we're not here, uh, to, to be about the numbers. What that means is we haven't really grown. We've probably shrank. And so we don't want to be about the numbers. We want to be about the people that we already have. The reality of it is it's easy to hide behind those kind of things. And as a church, those things become very tempting, especially as the church gets bigger, because what happens is when a church starts getting bigger, the voices on the inside begin to come very loud and they oftentimes drown out the voices on the outside. But the reality for us and what we have to remember and what we have to look at and do is we can never turn a deaf ear to the voices on the outside. We have to consistently be reaching out to people who are outside the church walls, who maybe are very different from us, who maybe, um, have never stepped foot in a church who maybe, um, are, are very far from God and continue to hear the voice of their, um, heart crying out for what we know is the answer to their problem. So we continue to reach out. We can't turn a deaf ear to those voices but it's very easy to do so. See, listen, today I want to encourage you with this. The Great Commission, that's found in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, that we're to go and make disciples, right? And, and we're to be disciples who make disciples. A disciple is simply a follower of someone. We are followers of Christ. The goal for us is to make disciples. The great thing about it is God, Jesus not only gives us a command to make disciples, but there's also a promise that comes with it. One that He'll be with us, but two, He also says in Matthew sixteen eighteen that not even the gates of Hades will come against the church. Not even the gates of Hades will be able to stop the church, not even the gates of hell itself, will be able to keep the church from advancing that Jesus is saying, my church is going to grow. How does it grow? It grows through multiplication. It grows as we reach more and more people with the kingdom. See, we have to realize that the, the church is always one generation away from extinction. If we don't multiply ourselves, then what ends up happening is the church begins to die. It begins to die out. But the great promise of Jesus is this, that that's not going to happen because he always has a group of people who are willing to hold out the gospel, this message of truth, this, this good news of a good God so that people who are far from him can come near to him. And the thing I realize is if we're not willing to do this, God will find someone who is. The reality of it is, I don't want him to have to go beyond us. I want to be a part of that. I want us to be a part of the kingdom growing. I want us to be a part of multiplying. I want us to be people who take courage in the fact that Jesus gave us a promise that greater is the one who is in us and with us and the one who's in the world so that we can have courage to stand on and do what God's called us to do. Y'all with me this morning? Because here's, here's the reality. How many of you find it a little intimidating to talk to somebody about your faith. You've already admitted you're liar, so you can admit to this too, right? Yeah. 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 We, we, it's, it's intimidating and I know I'm the preacher and all that stuff, but it's intimidating to me. Like I'm more comfortable in front of all of you than I am one-on-one when it's time for me to tell somebody the gospel. Like this is, this is funny that once I'm up here, this becomes easier than doing that one-on-one. The reality is, though, that we have to take that chance. It's intimidating. It reminds me of when I was little and, and I would um, decided I started, wanted to start jumping off the high dive. Anybody remember that? I mean, the first time you jumped off the high dive? I guess they still have high dives. But I remember going and I would climb up the ladder and I would get to the top and I'd be like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can't do it. And I'd have to climb back down the ladder. And that was like the most humiliating thing ever is climbing back down the ladder and saying, I can't do it. It was just intimidating. It's kind of like that was sharing our faith. It seems like such a huge leap. But once we begin to do it, we realize how important it is, we realize that God uses it, we realize that God wants to use it, and it begins to be something that um, over time we become more accustomed to. I'm not saying that your heart won't be beating 100 miles an hour, I'm not saying that you won't start sweating or getting nervous. What I'm telling you, though, is after you take that leap a few times and you realize that Jesus is with me and that Jesus does use these things, it becomes easier over time. But we have to take that first leap and realize that, you know what, this is my most likely not going to kill me. Right. And so we take that leap of faith today. I want you to be encouraged by that. I want you to see that, that God has called us to this, to multiply ourselves. I was running the other day. I've told you this before, but God speaks to me a lot when I'm running because I think I get so close to going to heaven that he just, <laughs> he really speaks to me because I'm really close to him at that point. I'm like, Oh God, don't let me die. You know, um, as I waddle down the trail. And, uh, and so, I, I even get embarrassed. This is so off topic, but I even get embarrassed when I look at my shadow when I'm running. It's, it's like, do I really run like that? And so anyway. But I was running the other day and, and, and I felt like the Lord really began to speak to me and, and I I started praying and I just was like, God, what is it that you want for people in this year? What is it that, that if, if, if there was anything and I started praying through it and I came to the conclusion of this, that if there were two things that I want for you in 2016, this is what they are. I would want for you to imitate Jesus, to become an imitator of Christ. And I would want you to duplicate yourself. Imitate and duplicate. Those are the two things that came to me as I was running the other day. I'm pretty sure they were from God and not just this dis- delusional. And so um, and what I'd want for you is for you to become an imitator of Christ and then to duplicate that in someone else. And see, that's what God's called us to do. He doesn't give us something that's an option. He gives us a command, but with that command, again, comes that promise that we can take courage. We can take um, assurance that he's going to do this. I have to do this every week as I get ready to come out here and talk to you, as I get ready to open this Bible and begin to teach you from God's word and to share my heart with you. As I'm sitting back there about 10 minutes till five minutes till time for me to come out here and my knees are literally almost knocking together because I'm so nervous. I have courage because I realize that even if we were to just start at the front of this book and work our way from the front to the back, reading it only, not preaching the word, but just reading it, it has power and it is effective. And Jesus is with us and we would see God do miracles. We would see God do work even through just reading his word. And so we get to be a part of this and we can take courage in this that God's going to use his word to bring people to faith when we open his word and we're faithful to preach and teach his word. And there are some things I want you to see today that I hope will encourage you out of this text to be this church. I love it in verse eight when he says this message rang out from you. That's the church we're called to be. And I want you to see the encouragement that comes from this that Paul, as he goes through verses two and three, he's thanking God for them. In verse four, he continues to thank God. This is still part of his thankfulness. He says in verse four, he says, we're thankful basically for we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you. And when I thought about this, I thought, how cool is that? That God has chosen us for this task. In fact, the first thing I would tell you is I want you to realize that God has chosen you for this that God has chosen you for this task, that God has chosen us as a church, as a group of people, to be a people that carries his truth to the world. I was, I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready to come to church and, and, and get, um, finish my preparation and all, I was just thinking and praying through the message and, and I felt like what the Lord spoke to my heart in that time was that um, it's a privilege to serve him. It's not something that is a right. It's an absolute privilege. And he says, I've chosen, I've picked you, I want you to be a part of this. I felt like one of the things that the Lord put in my heart for you today is to challenge you, encourage you to step up, to step up to what God's called you to, that there's more that God wants to do, there's more that God will do. And I don't want you to underestimate the amount of influence that God wants to give you wherever you are, whether it's in a classroom or a workplace or at home, God wants to give you greater influence. God wants to use you to spread the gospel. So step up into what God has called you to step up into this mission that we all have. We all may have specific callings to be a school teacher, a banker, a lawyer, a preacher, whatever it might be. But the reality is we all have the same calling in the fact that we're called to multiply multiply ourselves, multiply Christ in the world so that it brings God glory. And you can do this step up into what God has called you to do and to be as a follower of Jesus. He's told us, I've chosen you. I've chosen you out of the world. I want you to be my people. I want you to be a people who spread the good news of the gospel. The next verse, verse five. I love this verse. It says, because he's saying, we know that he's chosen you. He says, because the reason we know that he's chosen him is because he says, our gospel came to you, not simply with words. And then we'll stop right there for just a second. He says it didn't come to you simply with words, but listen, it did come with words, right? It wasn't just with words, but it did come with words. Like we need at some point for people to not just see a difference in us. They need to know why, where is a difference in us, right? So, just not cussing somebody out in line at Walmart is awesome, right? You are well on your way in sanctification, right? That whole big word of mean growing into Christ, right? But the reality is at some point we have to tell people why it is that we're different. We need to tell them about the one who changed our heart, who gave us that spirit of self control, who gave us the ability to see a bigger picture than just what's happening in that moment. And so we have to be willing to share that and that happens with words. There is a popular saying that goes around. um, I think maybe Francis of Assisi said it, Uh, but basically it says preach the gospel and use words when necessary. That sounds awesome, but just by the very nature of preach, we have to say something, right? And so we use words to share why there's something different about us. But Paul says this, this is awesome. He says, but it's not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. He says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. And so Paul's saying, I didn't just come to you with words. It wasn't just with words. It wasn't with eloquent speech and with eloquent preaching. It wasn't just that I was a a great motivational speaker. He says, listen, when I came to you and I began to share the gospel, the gospel was shared with power. The gospel was shared with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the gospel was shared with deep conviction. What he's saying, even though there was deep conviction among the Thessalonians, he's not using that for them at this moment. He's using it to refer to himself and the preaching of the gospel. He's using it to say this, that when I came to you and I preached the message to you, the message came with power. The message came with the presence of the Holy Spirit and the message came with great conviction. That that literally means that it came with great courage. It came with great assurance. In other words, we were assured in what we told you. We weren't waffling from one to the other or one side to the other. We were sure of what we told you and we believe what we taught you. In other words, you know, I'm smoking what I'm selling, that kind of thing. Right? So some of y'all understood that. Yeah. So, but it came with power and great conviction. It came because he, he was, he believed what he was saying. It was more than just words. It was deep conviction. And I want you to see that God was moving and working in Paul. The first thing I want you to see today is that God has chosen you for this task. The second thing I want you to see today is that God is going to work in you. God is going to work in you just as he was working in Paul. There was an assurance, there was a deep conviction. This is what I know because the Bible teaches it so we know it's true, right? That when, when we come to be a follower of Jesus, and we're pursuing him and following him, God works on the inside of us. God begins to transform us. He changes us so that what we begin to see is that God is going to work in us. In fact, the work that he begun, we're promised in the book of Philippians that he's going to complete it. He's going to do it. As we follow him, as we keep our eyes on him, God does this great work in us and and he he works um, on the inside of us. And so I want you to be encouraged Today that God is going to work through you. God has one chosen you, and I want you to really be able to celebrate that today. That if you're in Christ today, the reality is you're a part of a group of people that God has chosen to transform the face of the earth. How many of you remember when you uh, were little and you got picked? You know, you're picking teams for like maybe kickball or something. Y'all remember that? How many of you ever got picked last? I mean, I never did. I was just wondering, I mean, y'all, no, I'm just kidding. I did, I did. It didn't feel good, did it? You're like, oh, okay, whatever, you know? And you got picked last, right? And, but how many, you got picked first, right? Didn't that make you feel good? Didn't that make you feel like, you know, you want to stick your chest out and kind of be like, that's right, we're going to take y'all down. You know what I'm saying? Because you felt good about things. And, and the reality of it is we need to see this, that Jesus, he, he has chosen, he has chosen to use us. Um, God God needs us, not because he's somehow incomplete in of himself, but because he's chosen to redeem the world through us. What an awesome privilege God gives us. And so we need to realize that he's chosen us for this task. We need to realize that God is going to work in us. And then the next verse, verse six, he says, or actually back up to the end of five, he says, you know how we lived among you for your sake You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. He says, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And so we see he's chosen us for this task. We need to realize that he's going to work in us. And the third thing I want you to see is that God is going to transform you. As you begin to to pursue him, God begins to work in you and begins to transform you. And all of this you're gonna see is a part of the gospel ringing out from us. See, it is spiritually impossible for us to come to Jesus and not change. It's impossible to embrace the gospel without embracing change. If we have come, say we have come to Christ and nothing's ever changed in our life, I say this as lovingly as I can, we need to back up and look at that salvation because the reality of it is that when we come to Christ, things begin to change in our life. We begin to become a different person because God comes in, gives us a new heart, and he begins to renew our mind. And we begin to think differently, want differently, act differently. It doesn't mean that we become perfect, but it does mean that the trajectory of our life begins to change. And so he's going to transform us, just as sure as you are sitting here today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be transformed more into his image, more into the image of Jesus. As it says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. If somebody were to imitate you, who would it make them look like? Would it make them look more like Christ? Are we growing into that so that people can look at us and see him? He says, you became imitators. He says, you became twice. You became imitators uh, there in verse six. He says, you became a model. You became a model literally means that you became an example to be followed. And so he's saying, you became, you became one of the biggest problems for us as Christians is too many of us aren't stepping up into what we have already become, what Jesus has already given us. In other words, we need to, uh, we need to become what we've already became. Does that make sense? We need to become what we've already became because here's the greatest definition I can give you. Um, in my opinion, this is my opinion. Uh, right now it's the only one that matters. So I'm kidding. But my opinion of this is this big church word, sanctification. I believe the, the one of the best ways to, to, to define this is simply to look at it as I'm growing into the identity that Jesus has already given me so that I become what I've already became. I'm growing into what Jesus has already made me. Because when you come to faith in Christ, he gives you his righteousness, he gives you his, his purity, he gives you his holiness, he, tra- he transfers all of his godliness and takes away all of your ungodliness and so that we begin uh, um, automatically to be seen by God as Christ. But then, We begin to grow into that. So we grow into that identity that Jesus has already given us. So we begin to be transformed into the likeness, into the image of Jesus. And so it's one of the ways that that gospel rings out, the gospel goes forward. Listen to this, verse eight, he tells them, so you became, you became this, you became this, you were transformed into this. And then he says, and the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore we need not say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. In other words, your faith is known all over the place. He's saying everywhere we go, the reality of it is people tell us about your faith and this word that is used for ringing is, is this, this, a word that would be used for like a symbol that sounds out and that goes forth, that's continually going. Susan and I are crazy, so we bought Reed a drum set for Christmas. And, and if you know Reed, you know how funny that is. And so he's like just beating on the drums. There is no rhythm, there is nothing. There is just loud noise coming from the drum set. I went hunting the other day, and. I get a phone call and it's from the security place. They said, sir, you've had uh, a break in in your house we're reporting a shattered glass at your back door. I was like, oh gosh, Susan's at home. Let me make sure everybody's okay. So I called home. Nobody answered. I called home. Nobody answered. I call home. Nobody answers. Finally, she answers. I'm like, Susan, what happened? They said that there's been a, a shattered glass. Is everything all right? Are you okay? What's going on? She goes, oh yeah, we're fine. It was just Reed playing the drums so loud that it set off the alarm. That's what I live with, (laughs) right? And, and so he literally was shaking the glass. It was that loud. It was ringing out that loud that it literally shook the glass. Here's what I want to see as uh, us as a church. I want the gospel to ring out so loud from us. I want Christ to ring out so loud from us that it shakes the world around us, that it transforms the community around us, that it transforms the community in Vidalia and Lyons, that it transforms the community there in Millen, that people begin to see see and hear the gospel in such a way through the way that we live and through the things that we say and proclaim to them that the gospel rings forth loudly and clearly to them. And so we we proclaim, we live. Listen, if we're going to multiply, if we're going to duplicate, it's gonna happen through imitation and proclamation. We're gonna have to live it. Listen, anyone who receives the message of Jesus is to proclaim it. But also, anyone that proclaims it should embody it. People should see it in us so that we can proclaim it. And listen, you don't wait until you're perfect to proclaim this. What you do is you proclaim a perfect God who loves you and who's working in you and through you even in the midst of your imperfections. So we begin to share that and proclaim it to people letting them see the love and grace of Christ in our lives. And he says that this is the message that rang out from them, the gospel of Jesus, this true gospel that Jesus took the the, the sin of the world upon himself, took the punishment that we deserved for that sin, that he was put on a cross and seen as cursed. He became a curse so that we could become blessed children of God in God's presence and power and purpose. He was killed and put in a tomb, and three days later, he comes out. I heard someone pray this morning. A young man prayed this morning. I thought it was so awesome, uh, the thing that he prayed. He said, they didn't roll away the stone so that Jesus could get out. They rolled away the stone so that we could come in. That's good. Y'all should have amen that. But that's so true. He went into that tomb, but three days later he walked out overcoming death, overcoming sin, overcoming everything that you and I face, showing and proving once and for all that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world, that greater is Jesus than our sin, greater is Jesus than death, greater is Jesus than the things we're facing right now, greater is Jesus than our fear that we can't share our faith, that we can't bring people to Christ, greater is Jesus than you fill in the blank than everything. The Bible says that everything's been put under his feet. And so we see that he has authority over all of that. And so that this message rings out. Next section there, the end, or let's go to nine and, and we'll read 10 as well. He says, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's some things here I really want you to see because I believe this tells us the beginning point of this multiplication, the beginning point of what we, um, when we begin to share uh, the gospel, when we begin to share our lives with people. And he says here that they tell, this message that goes out was telling people that they had turned to God from idols. They had turned to God from idols. And so we have to see that this is the first step in following Christ. It's the first step It's called repentance It's where we turn from our sin, where we turn from other things that we've worshiped. It could be our job. It could be our spouse. It could be our boyfriend. It could be our girlfriend. It could be our car. It could be our house. It could be our kids. I mean, it could be anything that you put in the place of God in your life. One good way of knowing what, who or what is God in your life is who or what dictates your emotions. Look at that and then think about it. But it's when we turn from that idol, we turn from that, that other thing, that sin, and we turn to God. That's what he's saying that that first step was. And so our first step is when we come to that moment of salvation and we turn and we begin to come to God and we, tr- we turn our back on this way of living and we turn our face to this way of living and we continue to walk and see, here's the thing about repentance. Here's the thing about faith and following Jesus is it's not a one-time turning. It's a continual process that we continue to turn. It's one of the Bible instructs us to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith so that we can run this race, so that we're running in the right direction once we've turned our back. It is a daily, continual act of obedience and repentance and turning from sin and turning to God. There is that first moment of salvation, but then our whole life is spent running after him. And so he says, this is the first step. This is the first thing that we do And then he goes and he says, and they turn from idols to serve the living and true God. I love this because here's the reality. Who else is worthy of our service? And this word for service, literally, who else is worthy of our wholehearted devotion? In comparison to these dead idols, these other things that we've all worshiped at some point in our lives, the things that battle for our attention, our affection, who who compares to this living God when we compare him to the dead idols and the things that cannot offer us the hope that he offers. He's the one who's worthy of our service, of our devotion, of our wholehearted following. Nothing else and no one else should hold that place in our life only him. He goes on and says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We talked a little bit about this last week, but but the reality is that our hope comes from our faith in Christ. And not only does our hope come from faith in Christ, but our endurance comes from faith in Christ. So he gives us three things right here. He tells us, one, that we're to turn from idols. We're to turn from sin and we're to go towards God. He tells us, two, we're to serve him wholeheartedly. And he tells us, three, that we're to endure because of the hope that we have in him. And if we're going to multiply, if we're going to see ourselves become imitators of Christ and then become duplicators of Christ, the reality of it is we're going to have to do all three. We're going to need to repent, fix our eyes on Jesus, continue to pursue him. As we continue to pursue him, we realize we've been chosen for the task. We realize that he's going to work in us. We realize that he's going to transform us. And then we realize he's going to work through us as we follow after him. And so we come to that place of turning. We come to that place of wholehearted service and we come to that place of enduring. We keep running the race because we know that we have hope in one who is sure. And even though we face battles today and we're going to face battles tomorrow, the good news of the gospel is that one day he's going to set everything right. Everything is going to be good. When we breathe our last breath on this earth, what happens is we go into the presence of an amazing, holy God who makes everything right, who wipes away every tear. And so whatever we're facing today, the good news is if we're in Christ, we have hope that goes beyond. beyond this life and beyond the battle and through the battle that you're facing right now in your life. And so you can continue. You can continue. Why? Because of your strength? No, because of the hope we have in Christ. Because we know that no matter what, He's there. No matter what, He makes all things right. That's the hope that we have. That's what gives us courage even to share our faith. That's what gives us courage to to live for Christ when everyone else around us isn't. To live for Christ even when other people make fun of our lifestyle. To live for Christ when everything around us tells us that it's foolishness, but there's something inside of you called the Holy Spirit and a new heart that tells you it's the truth. So we keep going and we keep moving and no matter what anybody else says, we keep working and we keep living. And listen, even in the midst of all that, we keep loving, which is the hard part many times. It's easy to get bitter, turn our backs on the world and say to hell with them all, right? But we keep loving and we keep going and giving and we keep following because our hope is greater than the things that we face. Our hope is greater than rejection, and our faith is in Him. I I, I felt real strongly this morning before this service to encourage you, to encourage some of you who maybe you hear this message about imitating, you hear this message about duplicating, you hear this message about the Great Commission and, and going out and doing these things, but I really feel strongly in this that some of you feel disqualified. Some of you feel disqualified from even being able to run the race. You feel like you've already gone out of bounds. You feel like you've already stepped across the line and there's no coming back. I want to tell you that whatever that is that has taken you and you feel like you have gone across the line with no hope of coming back, that's why Jesus took that sin upon himself. He didn't just take our socially acceptable sins upon himself like gossip and a little lie here and there or a little white lie. He he didn't just take those socially acceptable sins upon himself. He took every sin upon himself so that he could take it to the cross and take your punishment for it and take the the wrath of God for it it so that you don't have to. And you may not be qualified because of the lifestyle that you have lived in the past, but the good news is when you come to Jesus, he qualifies you for the lifestyle you're going to live in the future. I want to finish with this. If you want to live a life that is an imitation of Christ and a life that duplicates his life, in other people. We, 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 we have four things around here that we talk about all the time. Four, we call them cultures. And we have these cultures in our church, honestly, because we stumbled on them as we went through this process of growing the church and seeing God grow it and us kind of trying to figure it out. But these things, when these four things are hot in the church, man, it's unstoppable. And the reality of it is, the very first one of those is evangelism. When we care about reaching the person next to us, God does amazing things. And there's two lines of thought in the church today. Most of you probably don't know, you may not care, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. That the reality is many churches say, just bring people in, preach the gospel, we'll pay somebody to preach the gospel to them, they'll get saved, and that's awesome. The other line of thinking is, let's just tell everybody on Sunday morning what the gospel is. Let's just teach them, grow them up, and then they can go out and they can share the gospel in the community and bring people to Christ. Here's my line of thinking on that. Why can't we do both? Right? Why, why would we not share the gospel here, but also share it in the community? And so it's about evangelism. It's about going and about sharing, but it's also about bringing It's about bringing people to the church, but it's also about being the church outside the walls. Sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel of Christ, the good news of a good God who loves us and gave his son for us. And so we go and we share. The first one of those is evangelism. The second one is serving. We always, we talk a lot about serving and I get a lot of pushback on that. Why, Why are you always talking about serving? I'm busy. You look, you get served by busy people every week. It's the bottom line. Why do you always talk about serving? Because Jesus said if we're going to be like him, we should. Right? And so we talk about it a lot. Because what we see is it tears down walls. We talk about serving in the church. We also talk about serving outside the church. We talk about being the church, whether we're here or whether we're out there. So evangelism and serving. You want to see yourself imitate Christ? Begin to do those two things. Begin to... to to see yourself duplicated, beginning to do those two things. The third one is generosity. And people get uptight when you talk about money. But the reality of it is that God calls us to live generous lives. Do we give to the church? Absolutely, but we're also generous to people in the community. Last night, Susan and I went on a date. I asked her out. She said, yes, it was awesome. And so we went on a date last night, we went to a restaurant, we're sitting there, we order our food and, uh, and, and the waitress comes up and she's like, hey guys, I wanted you to know that the couple that just left paid for your dinner. I was like, yes, let's go get ice cream, right? No, I was blown away and, and, and I was like, wow, that is so awesome that somebody was that generous to do that for us and, and that they would bless us in that way. I mean, I thought it was so awesome. And and, and it's just generosity, but it shows the love of God. And so if you're here today, thank you um, for for doing that. But it it was, it's generosity. So evangelism, serving, generosity. The last one's community. You'll have a chance in just a minute to go and join a small group, which is a smaller portion of this church. It's how you make a big church feel small as you, you get into relationships with people in a small group. And today you'll have that chance to sign up for those small groups. You'll see people with green shirts on, go up and talk to them. Listen, if you get in that group and they're weird, we'll put you in another group, okay? I promise. And so just give it a shot, but commit to it because we all need community. You want to see God use your life to to duplicate um, Christ? You want to see your life being an, an imitation of Jesus? The reality of that for us is then begin to care about the people who don't know him and evangelize them. Begin to serve people around you, whether it's in the church or outside the church. Begin to be generous in the things that you have and the things that you do. Maybe sacrifice a Starbucks coffee once a week so you can do something else with that. That's like 20 bucks right there. (laughs) And fourth, be in community. Be in community with other people who are going the same direction you're going. People who are going the same place that you're going. And you guys rally together and you grow together and you carry this message to the world, to a world that needs to hear it because we're going to do that as a church. That's what God has called us to do. And multiplication is not an option. Multiplication is what we're called to do one life at a time, transforming one life at a time through the power of the gospel. And so today, there's really a couple of steps that I want us to take. You know, the first one is for people who maybe you don't know the Lord. You've never come to this place of salvation, but the opportunity is for you today to come to that place. It's that first step I talked about of turning from sin and turning to God. Maybe you've been around church all your life, but there's never been a change because you've never truly come to a place of a relationship with Jesus. But today there's something in you that says, that's what I want. In your heart, you know that God is calling out to you, wanting you to say yes, knocking on the door of your heart and inviting you to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body. So the first question, the first opportunity is, is that you today? That you would say yes to an invitation from Jesus. You would say yes to this revelation of God. You would say yes to his invitation that he becomes your Lord and your Savior. If you've never done that before, but today God's speaking to your heart, this is what I want to ask you. I want to ask you that you'd be very bold. I want you to stick your hand way up in the air so that we can celebrate with you. Would you just stick your hand up and let us celebrate with you today that The fact that you're saying yes to a relationship with God through Christ. We want to pray with you, celebrate with you. It's a hand in the back. Amen. We're going to grab you and pray with you real quick. Anybody else today, you know that's, that's you. God's speaking to your heart broken the ice now. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. The second thing that I want to pray for you today about is I just want to pray today for our courage. And today if you would say, yeah, you know what? I I want more courage to share my faith. I want more courage to be a follower of Christ. I want more courage to duplicate myself I want to be that imitator of Jesus I, I want to truly follow and listen I know we have people on all parts of the spectrum from people who are just beginning a walk with Christ to people you maybe you've been walking with him for 40 or 50 years but wherever you're at today if you say yeah I want more courage I want to live this out more I want to be willing to share more, I need that courage. And that's what I wanna pray for us for because we all come to that place in in our lives at different times. And so if that's you today, I wanna ask you, would you stand to your feet and let us pray? I wanna be more courageous in following him. I wanna be more courageous in in sharing. I wanna be more courageous in my pursuit you just stand. I'll give you a second to stand, and then I want to pray for us. I'm telling you guys, if we will commit to do the things that Jesus has given us to do, we will see things that we never thought we would see. I believe that with all my heart. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, I love this church so much, God. We love you so much, God. Would you use us in a mighty way, Jesus? God, here we are, and we ask for your your spirit to come, the power of your spirit to give us courage. God, would you take us and use us to do more than we ever thought possible? Would you take us and remove uh, the obstacles that stand before us? Give us the courage to, to go through them. it's fear or anxiety or doubt or whatever it may be God give us the courage to keep walking keep stepping God make us imitators of you and God make us people who duplicate ourselves let us do that this year and for the rest of our lives I just feel us flood us with the power of your spirit the top of our head to the bottom of our feet let every strand of dna be infused with the presence of christ let us go into the world and do the things you've put before us whatever our hand finds to do for you god let us do it in jesus name we pray